The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider <clears throat> that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. This is the word of the Lord. Mother's Day really is a great day, and I hope that um, all you moms in here, you just really celebrate this day, and I hope the kids in here of moms celebrate this day with them, and um, man, it should be uh, such a joyous and, and wonderful day, and it is for many of you, and just want to say that again, happy Mother's Day, but I also know this, I know that um, Mother's Day is not always the best day, um, for many of you, and um it, it, it just comes with so much context, let me say that. Um, wherever you're at, whatever you feel, whatever your experience has been, as a woman, as a man, um, as a child, as a parent, um, or as maybe anticipating being a parent or hoping to be a parent or a grandparent or a, a foster mom or stepmom or whatever that has looked like, for there's so many different things. Um, I know that there's so much joy on this day, and I also know there's so much heartache um, that comes on a day like this. And, not, and the truth is, it's not just Mother's Day, that's, that's every day, right? That's life for us, that um, man, there, there's so much joy in life and living in Christ and knowing him and knowing God like they were talking about as our father. But we know that we go through this world and man, this world is just a hard place, right? It's just a hard place, and at times we feel that more than at other times. And so uh, this Mother's Day, um, I, I really just felt we were actually done with the Romans series, but as I was thinking about this over the last several weeks and just thinking about Romans 8 as this chapter that is filled with so much hope, um, man, I just wanted to stay in it for another week. Is that okay? Uh, can we just hang out in Romans 8 one more week? It is, I, I believe, the greatest chapter in the Bible, and um Two weeks ago, if you, if you haven't listened to the last two weeks' messages, I would encourage you to do that. Um, two weeks ago, April 30th, and then last week, Pastor Trey um, ended up Romans chapter 8 here. And it's just such, a, such an amazing mountaintop peak of just the hopefulness and the greatness of who God is and what he's done. Go listen to those two messages on the, um, the Eastridge podcast if you haven't. Um, but man, I just wanted to come back today really to verses uh, 12 through 28, really that kind of that middle section. I preached it a couple of weeks ago and I felt like I had to fly through and I even told y'all this as I was preaching. And I was like, man, there's just so much in this that I can't hit on right now and I, and I wanna come back to it. And so I'm gonna do that today as best I can just to really um, sit in verses 12 through 28 for a little bit. Um, this message is absolutely for any moms in the room. It is also for any dads in the room. It's for single uh, women and single men. It's for young men and, uh, and old men and young ladies and older ladies. It is for everybody anywhere in between, um, because I, I believe that this message is for anybody in this room who has ever felt fearful, who has ever felt hopeless, and who has ever felt weak. And here's what I know, that's true of you. 
That's true of me. Um, that's true of all of us at times, at least, that there are just days where we feel all those things, fearful, hopeless, and weak. So this message is for you today. It's my hope that we would all rejoice in the hope of the glorious freedom of the children of God in Romans 8, 21. Let's pray together and then let's dive in. God, we love you and thank you so much that um, you are God. You are our father in Christ and we can rest in that day. I pray over these next 20 minutes or so that you would just open your word up to us. Um, man, just allow us to see the goodness, your goodness um, in these words, in this truth, and um, just rejoice in that, even in the, the trials, even in the pain, even in the hard times, um, just to know that you're God and um, that you work all things for the good of those who love you. And God, we do love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, if you have your Bible, open up with me uh, to Romans chapter 8. Like I said, we're going to kind of sit in verses 12 through 28 today. Um, and, and I, I kind of have three main points that I'm going to hit on. I'm going to get to those in just a second. But before I do, I just want to remind us of what really the last two weeks have been about, um, or really all the way up to this point. We've been going through Romans. We started in February, and then we jumped back in uh, on Easter. And up until this Sunday, we've been walking through kind of the second part of Romans, chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. And the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this letter, right, this is a letter to the Roman church in Rome in the first century. And as he's writing this letter, he's been kind of building this argument about just everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus has done for us by the cross and now in his resurrection and the hope that we have in him. And so Romans chapter eight um, is just this sort of this picture that Paul gives us of the glorious reality that is true of the children of God. And two weeks ago, we kind of defined that as what Paul says here in uh, Romans chapter eight, verse nine. He says, um, if the spirit of God lives in you, right, you are... Uh, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So what he says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Christ. And in verse 14, he says, because those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. And his point is, how do we know we're a child of God? How do we know we are sons and daughters of God? We know that because he has filled us with his Holy Spirit, right? And then again, if you haven't listened to that message from two weeks ago, but go back and listen to that because we kind of broke down what that looks like for us to walk um, in the spirit of God who lives inside of us and how we can be confident um, how can we be confident in that? And then last week, Pastor Trey ended up with just saying, man, if that's true of you, if you are in Christ and if you have his Holy Spirit, then all of these promises, really from verses 28 all the way through 39, all of those promises are true for you if you are in Christ Jesus. Um, so we know that we are God's children if the Spirit of God lives in us. Romans 5, 5 says this, that he has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us right? That is God's love for us being poured into our lives by his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, right? And that's how we know that we are the children of God. So today I just want to focus on uh, really verses, again, verses 12 through 28. And here's the three points. I'm going to go ahead and give you the three points. If you're a note taker, you can write these down and then we're going to walk through them. Point number one, the Spirit frees us from fear. That's verses 12 through 16. Point number two, the Spirit gives us glorious hope. I tried to lose you a little alliteration today. It might stick in your mind a little bit better. So he frees us from fear. He gives glorious hope. And number three, the Spirit works in our weakness. So the Spirit frees us from fear. The Spirit gives us glorious hope and the Spirit works in our weakness. So point number one, the Spirit frees us from fear. And I'm just gonna start in verse 15, Romans 8, 15. It says this, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. 
but you receive the spirit of sonship or adoption is that word, right? You receive the spirit of adoption, of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so, before coming to faith in Jesus, here, here's what Paul's talking about in this little section here. Um, as he's talking about kind of being freed from fear by the Holy Spirit, the fear that he's talking about really is the fear of judgment. The fear of judgment that we have as sinners, people who have fallen short, Romans 3.23, fallen short of the glory of God. That is every human being on the planet for all time, that we are all sinful under the law of God, right? And based on the law of God, you and I are condemned in our sins, we, we cannot be saved in and of ourselves by our good works, by our good deeds, because we have broken the law. We've simply broken it. And so because of that, we live apart from Jesus. We live in fear, fear of sin and fear of death, really fear ultimately of God's judgment upon us, right? He said uh, up, up top in verse seven and eight, and it's not gonna be on the screen, but I wanna read it. He says, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So apart from Christ, before you knew Jesus, you couldn't please God. There's nothing, a, there is nothing, a person who is outside of Christ, who has rejected Christ as Lord and Savior. There's nothing that person can do to please God because God is pleased by faith in Jesus. That is the foundation of God's pleasure in us for him to look on us as righteous and justified and right in his sight. It requires faith in his son. And so as long as we are outside of that, as long as we have rejected Christ as Lord, we cannot please him. We, we, we are, un, he even says we're unable to submit to his law. Now that doesn't mean that non-Christians can't do some of the things the law requires. Of course, we know that they can, right? If you're a non-Christian, you can not murder someone, right? You, you've done that all your life. You can not steal things. You can honor your parents, right? You can do some of the things that God's law requires, even when you're not a Christian. But here's the difference. You can't do those things out of a desire simply to please God as your father in Jesus Christ. And that is where God's pleasure in you comes from. That is the submission to God's law that he's talking about, right? When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest law? What did he say? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so those who are not in Christ, yes, they can not murder someone or they can not steal or they can do some of the good things that the law requires, but they don't do those things out of love for God. That's, that's what they don't do. And so in that way, they don't please God. God is not pleased. And I know that sounds harsh. And we're like, man, I, you know, a lot of people are good people and they do good things. Yes, that's true. But it's not our good deeds that get us into a relationship with the Father. It's the death of his son, Jesus, and his resurrection and our faith in him, our faith in Christ. That is, Jesus is the marker. He's the signpost. He's the definitive point of whether or not you are pleasing to God. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, his son? He has given us Christ as a way to know him and trust him. And so apart from Christ, we have only to be afraid of the judgment that is to come upon us. But in Christ Jesus, here's what he's saying. We did not receive a spirit that makes us a slave to fear. No longer do we have anything to fear if we are in Christ Jesus, right? And so he's kind of making this point that apart from Jesus, fear should dominate your life, honestly. Like there's nothing else that could possibly be true of you, but you should expect judgment and the fear of that to come upon you. But in Christ Jesus, that goes away. In Christ Jesus, there's no longer reason to be afraid. Fear, honestly, y'all, fear can dominate our lives. 
Fear that our, that our sins still count against us. Fear that judgment is coming upon us. Fear that we'll never be free from uh, the kind of the curse of sin on our lives. Fear that of, of, of maybe that I'm not even really a Christian or that I'm not really following Jesus the way that I, I think I am or that I say that I am. Fear can dominate our thoughts. And honestly, even just in, if you're a mom, fear can dominate motherhood, Right? And maybe it's not even like spiritual fears, but just fears that your children will get hurt in some way or fears that maybe you're raising your kids the wrong way or fear that you maybe won't ever have children. Sometimes that's a fear that many live with or fear that you're not enough as a mom or a wife or a friend or a dad or a daughter or son. Fear that you're just not enough of a the person that you want to be, but The truth is this, that fear, and what Paul is saying is fear is only for those. Fear is only for those who are still slaves to sin. Those are the only people who have reason to fear. Those who are still slaves to sin apart from Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no reason to fear anymore because the spirit, God has given us his spirit and he is not a spirit. What he says, he is not a spirit that makes you a slave to fear. He's a spirit of adoption. He's a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. God is no longer, no longer against those who are in Christ. He is for you. And so you have no reason to fear. You have nothing to fear. Christians have zero reason to fear anything in this world because the only thing to fear is God and his judgment. And we are free from that. Free from condemnation. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit frees us from the thoughts and the doubts, and the heartache of fear. He says, by him we cry, Abba, Father. Ladies, listen, and that video said it well, and I'm glad it did. Um, I think maybe the greatest thing to celebrate on Mother's Day really has nothing to do with whether or not you are a mom. It has everything to do with whether or not you're a daughter of God. If If you're a daughter of God, celebrate. Rejoice in that. There's no reason to fear And that truth will never change. Pastor Trey talked about that last week. It cannot be taken away from you. Your status as the daughter of the king of the universe is true now. It will always be true that that is who you are. Things change all the time in this life. Our status and our titles change in this life. That will never change. And that is a reason to celebrate men. Let me just encourage you today um, for any of the ladies in your life, not mom or not mom, maybe it's your sister, maybe it's just a friend that you have. Uh, men, if you, if you want a way to just kind of serve and honor those ladies today, do this. Remind them of their value and their worth and their beauty in the eyes of their father, God. Remind them of that today. Men, can we, can we do that? Um, and ladies, listen, do that for each other. Do that for each other. I think so many of us just struggle with, men and women, just struggle with that reminder, that knowledge and understanding that we kind of define ourselves by worldly things and we forget that we are first and foremost defined by how God sees us as his children. And so the spirit frees us from fear. Point number two, the spirit gives glorious hope. Romans eight seventeen says this. It says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And I know a lot of you moms in here are thinking, finally, a Mother's Day message about suffering. This is what I've been waiting for. 
Y'all don't even know I've got a toddler. I've got a teenager. I know what suffering is, right? Like that's, I know that's, that's just, you know, not every Mother's Day is about suffering, but maybe it should be. Um, being a mom, any moms in here, you can say amen to this if you want to. Being a mom is really hard. Yeah, okay. It is. Being a dad's hard too, right? Like just having kids, man, that stuff is hard. But here's the truth, man. Being, being a person in this broken world, it is difficult. It is difficult. I don't care what your context is. I don't care what your relationships are. I don't care what that kind of looks like for you. You've, you've experienced loss and struggle and failure and all of those things. But he says right here, as Paul's kind of talking about, he kind of turns and there's, this may be the most interesting passage in, in, in chapter eight here, that he's talking about being an heir with Christ, right? And he says, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. What, is, what does that mean? He says, if we suffer with him, that's the condition for being glorified with him that we're going to be glorified with Christ. That's what he said. And we're going to share in his glory. But the condition of that is that we share in his sufferings. That's kind of a strange thing for Paul to say. And then like we're, we share in the sufferings of Jesus. What exactly does that mean? Well, let's keep reading. He says, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And that's a, that's a great memory verse right there. That our present sufferings, the things I'm struggling with right now, that's not even worth being compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter four, Paul calls it an eternal weight of glory. Like the eternal value of glory is so much far surpassing the suffering that we experience now. He says, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, he says, we wait for it patiently. So, when he's talking about suffering with Christ in order to be glorified with Christ. He kind of gives us the kind of gives us the here and now of that, right? He says this present creation. That's the here and the now. Present and creation. That's what he says in verse uh, 18 that our present sufferings, right? And in verse 19, the creation waits in eager expectation. So, right now, we live in the present and we live in creation. Right? We live in this broken, messed up, fallen creation that is unredeemed yet by Jesus. He will, in the end, return and redeem all of it, fix all of it, make all of it new. But right now, presently, we live in creation. And so this kind of present here and now time that we live in, it's a time of suffering and pain and disappointment and loss and failure and heartache and grief. We just know that to be true. The longer that we live, we experience those things more and more. So how do we, how do we suffer with Christ in that? That's the question, right? Because he says, if you suffer with him, you'll be glorified with him. How do we suffer with Christ? The answer is the word hope. It's the word hope, right? Look at what he says in verse uh, 24. He says, for in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So the way that we suffer with Christ is by suffering in hope in him. 
hoping. And that's a hope that means like an eager, longing expectation, confidence that he is who he says he is, that he's going to return and that he's going to do all the things in us and for us and through us that he said he's going to do that he's going to return and he's gonna redeem our bodies to be like his glorious body. That's Philippians 3.20. He says, we're awaiting a savior and he's gonna make our bodies like his body one day, right? And he's gonna renew this whole creation. Let me read for you uh, Revelation 21 too. Revelation 21 verses one through five says this. This is the end. This is what he's talking about. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. That's the end of all things. And that is the hope that Paul is talking about in Romans chapter eight. That's what we hope for. That's how we suffer with Christ. That as we go through this life, we suffer along with him knowing that he is everything he says he is and he will do everything he said he's gonna do and he's gonna make all this new one day. He's gonna make us new one day. Amen? That is true of the children of God and that is the miracle that the Holy Spirit births inside of us, that hope. We have that hope. That's a miracle in you that you hope in him in that way as you even suffer along beside him in this life. I think maybe the main reason I wanted to preach this message on Mother's Day is is for this reason, because moms, you know this, ladies in general, you know this. This world is not what it should be, right? Men, you know this too. This world is not what it should be. Things are not as they should be. Ever since sin entered into the world in Genesis chapter three and things were broken, this world was broken in the fall by sin. And so now from then until now, this world has been defined by darkness and pain and loss and suffering and sin. And it's just falling apart. He says the creation is in the bondage of decay and it's groaning is in the pains of childbirth. And right, like like what is childbirth? Think about that for a second. What is childbirth? Like it, it is pain and it's hard, but what is it also? It's expectation of something coming. It's expectation of something new. It's expectation of something good, right? And he's saying, man, all of creation is groaning that way right now. Like it's falling apart. This world is breaking down and it's waiting for the revelation of the children of God. Isn't it an amazing thought that the whole world is waiting for us to be redeemed by Jesus in the end? Because the world knows this, creation knows this, that when Jesus returns and Jesus gathers us to himself and gives us new bodies and redeems us forever, that creation itself is next. It comes next, right? And that's why he's saying that the creation's waiting for that day when Jesus returns and creation itself is gonna rejoice because we're gonna be made new and then it is gonna be made new. Just like Revelation 21 said, that Jesus is making all things new. That is good news. That is good news for all of us who are in Christ Jesus. Y'all know this, that suffering is a gift. 
Suffering's a gift. Because if we didn't suffer, here's what he's saying here. If we never suffered in this life, then when Jesus returns and we're redeemed, we wouldn't know the joy. We wouldn't know that glory. We wouldn't know, we wouldn't understand it as much. I believe suffering now will give us the context then for even greater capacity for joy in Jesus. I don't think we'll forget it all. I think we'll be able to look back and see and know, man, that's what was true. Jesus still has scars, right? I think we will too. But we'll be able to look back on this life and see it was all worth it because now I'm in Christ forever and I'm redeemed and I'm made holy and I've been brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And so the third point is this, the spirit also works in our weakness. The spirit also works in our weakness. So he says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Two weeks ago, we talked about that, how that intercede word, it's like the Spirit kneeling down and praying over you. That's what that word means, that the Holy Spirit, God himself, prays over us because he lives in us. That is just such a beautiful picture. And he says, he says, and and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. And so as we wait patiently and hopefully for the day of the return of Jesus, and that's what we're hoping for, right? As we wait for that day, and we know that this world is still messed up and we're still uh, weak and we're still inadequate, we also know that in that, the Spirit is helping us in our weakness. And just like suffering is a gift, weakness is a gift. Did you know that? Weakness is a gift. You ever felt weak, anybody in here? Let's honestly, let's let's be real for a second. Raise your hand if you've ever felt weak. Okay. Yes. I think that should be everybody. You're in good company if you've ever felt weak. And weakness is a gift, just like suffering is a gift, because in our weakness, God works for us. He works in us. I would dare say that God does his best work in weakness. He does his best work in weak people. Here's what, here's what the Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians verse 12, or, or chapter 12, verse 9. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in what? Weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. God does his best work in our weaknesses. And when you feel weak, when you feel struck, listen, when you just feel like you're at your wits end, I know there's no moms in the room that feel that way, but if you ever feel like you're at your wits end, like you just can't do it anymore, you can't go and you can't say another thing. So listen, I think being a single mom, that might be the hardest job in the world. If that's anybody in this room, one of the hardest things to do in the whole world. My mom was a single mom for some years. I, I get that. I see that struggle. I know how that feels. And there are a hundred other ways of struggle, types of struggle that may be your story. I can't name them all. But man, we all have those stories. And it's in that weakness that God gives us the gift of his spirit working in the weakness to show us his power. Because if you were never weak, you would never experience the power of God in your life. If you were never weak, you would never experience his comfort for you. If you were never weak, listen, if you were never weak, would you ever pray? Would you? I don't know if I would. If I never felt inadequate, if I never felt helpless and hopeless, would I ever come to the Father on my knee? I don't know. 
It's a gift to us. And so he helps us in our weakness. So I just want to end by reading this last verse. The band's going to come out. We're going to sing again here in just a second. But I just wanted to end with this last verse today. Verse 28. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He says, For those who love God, and have been called according to his purpose, that God is working, what? All things together for the good. That word all things, in the Greek, it actually means all things. Did y'all know that? Um, It means everything, all things. God works all things. Let me ask you this question this morning, just to kind of end this up as we maybe have this on our minds today. What are your things? What are your things right now in life? Maybe your things are in the past. Things that you just feel like have disqualified you. Things that you feel like have hurt you too much. Things that you feel like maybe you've hurt others in too much. Maybe that's your things. Maybe it's regret of some past thing. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's bad choices. Maybe your things are right now in the present. Maybe your things are things that you're struggling with, things that are hurting you or hurting your family or you're going through some relational uh, difficulty or you're waiting on the Lord for some unanswered prayer that you haven't seen and don't know what's gonna come out of that. Maybe that's your things or maybe your things are about the future and just fear of what's coming down the road or things that you're just wondering about and praying about and seeking the Lord in and you don't, don't have the answers to. Maybe your things are just sinful things in your own life, things that you're struggling with, things that you kind of keep coming back to. Maybe they're things about your body or your health. Maybe they're things about the relationships that you have that are complicated or hurtful. Maybe it's things about anxiety or depression that are just weighing on you. Maybe it is things with your kids or your spouse. Maybe it's things with your mom or as a mom. Maybe that's your things, that you just feel like those things are the things that God could never work in. But this verse says that that thought in your mind is a lie from the enemy. That if you love God, and if you have come to him in faith in Jesus Christ, that he is working all those things for your good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Ladies, in this room, I just want you to hear this today. If you love Christ, God's working all things for your good, and he's calling you according to his purpose in those things. Fellas in the room, let's remind the ladies today of that truth. Whoever those ladies are in your life, your mom, your sister, your friends, grandma, daughter, look them in the eyes today and tell them, God is working all things for your good because he's called you according to his purpose. He loves you. He's working in those things. Listen, I don't know what Mother's Day means um, to you particularly. I know what it means to me. It's not my favorite day. I don't know what it means to you. I don't know what joy there is in Mother's Day or what what maybe heartache or pain there is in Mother's Day for you, but I know this. You got faith in Jesus. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. 
You're a child of the King. That doesn't change. And he is working all things for the good of those who love him. We're going to sing and just, man, let's just worship him again this morning one more time. As we do that, I just want to offer an invitation. Um, If you need prayer this morning, maybe, listen, maybe specifically, you just need prayer for those things. Whatever those things are that you're having a hard time seeing God work in, come on down. Um, I would love to pray with you. If you're on the prayer team, anybody on the prayer team, you're welcome to come on down. Um, We would just love to pray with you, encourage you, um, just share scripture with you if we can, or just let God's word, God's presence, God's spirit just just encourage and equip and edify us this morning. So we're going to sing, and if you need prayer, please come on down and let's pray together. God, we love you, and we thank you that you loved us first. We thank you that you are working all things for the good of those who love you called according to your purpose. Now I pray for those in this room right now who may be hurting, who may be wounded, who may be questioning, who may be fearful or doubtful or worried. I pray, God, that you would lift them up. You would let them see your goodness and your grace right now. Let them see your power in their weakness. In Jesus' name.